see some movement at the takeoff zone. It's Kelly Slater grabbing rail. A clean entry. This thing holding open. It spits. When it spit me, I thought it was going to spit me off my board. Comes out with the spit. Spits him out. Comes out after the spit. Gets spat out of another good-looking wave here. Spit, spit, spit. We're just spitballing, right? Yeah, I got yeah, guy. Yeah, friggin' guy. Welcome, everybody. It is Spit. We are spitballing. It's a Wednesday, April 28th, and it's a clear, gorgeous spring-like morning here in San Diego. The first morning that we've actually had an offshore flow in probably 10 or 12 days. So, whoa. If you're a surfer, you're excited. My friend and co-host David Scales, and we're joined also by a special guest, a man with a large mustache. <laughs> Hi, Devin <laughs> Howard. Good morning. Hey, good morning, Bass. Gosh, you're missing the waves this morning. You're really committed to the show. I love it. I'm going to squeeze in a session for sure. David, good morning. How are you? I am wonderful. Good to see you, Scott. Yeah, so... Um, do we have any pre-roll that we're supposed to run? No, not today. Pre-roll well, free. David and I want to reach out and say thank you to Need Essentials for uh, their continued support and Naked Vikings fins. Look, we've got a lot to get into. We've only got an hour or a little bit more, perhaps. And um, AKA Scott has to go surf. <laughs> let's get right into it. So. Um, I got an email. I want to read an email. David and Scott, thanks for the athletic greens tip. They're great. Regarding Idolo, who makes the call on if his ride was completed? Does each judge individually or does the head judge chime in? For all the judges independently to be in the poor range is confounding. It was a rip curl event and their riders ended up in the final. Keep up the great podcast. You've changed my view of Joe Turpel and Sage Erickson from cardboard cutout images to fascinating multi-dimension personalities. By the way, I think Sibilic is the full package for Rip Curl after watching his morning routine video. He's articulate, well-mannered, and mature. David, Devin, chime in on this judging situation. Who makes the call on whether or not somebody completes a ride? Uh, well... Ultimately, the head judge has to own that. You know, the, you have your panel of judges and they probably, most of them probably deemed, I'm guessing, it wasn't uh, complete. And then at the end of the day, the head judge will run through it and they'll watch it over and over and over. Um, I know it's not a popular opinion at all, but I can see why they went that way. You know, he was down low petting the kitty. But I'd say 95% or more people felt it was complete and just give it to them. Yeah. I guess the question though is, Devin, uh, each individual judge is sitting there viewing it. Do they write down their score or does the head judge chime in before they submit their score and say, hey, everybody, that was complete, that wasn't complete? Because if they're all just left to their own devices, whether or not to decide if it was complete, it is weird that all five would deem it as an incomplete ride. It seems like there was almost an intervention from a head judge type figure who said, score it as if it was incomplete. Yeah, well, I've, I mean, obviously we weren't there. We can only guess, but just having been in those judging towers and seen what, well, what is the head judge's role? The head judge's role is to make sure that the panel of judges really don't get go off the rails, so to speak. Obviously, there's lots of calls where we could argue and say, well, it doesn't sound like that person was doing their job. Most of the time, the head judge will do is if you have a, um, someone has a six and someone has an eight or a nine and there's this crazy gap, usually the head judge, that's when they jump in. Most of the time, the head judge doesn't say anything. The head judge is there when these huge disparities. So I can imagine the stress level of that moment where knowing the judges and knowing what I saw, I totally understand why they didn't give it to him. Um, no, no other maneuver would have been given that um, if he didn't ride out of it. That would have been deemed incomplete with if he did a floater, you know, and that was what happened at the bottom when he came down. So I'm sure the discussion was, hey, we've got it all in incomplete. The head judge at that point would have just weighed in and really probably just, 
I'm guessing just said, yeah, you're right. I backed that call. If the head judge said, wait a minute, you guys are crazy. Like he would pull out the rule book and, and remind them what their job is. And that's right. what he's there to do. He won't force anyone's hand. He doesn't grab someone's hand and change their score. But what he can do is if we are talking about an in, not an incomplete situation, just a dis scoring disparity, um, where, where I think a lot of the people are saying, okay, I get the incomplete, but they should have given him a higher score than that. Or couldn't it have been a three or a four or something? Um, he, he could guide their hand in a way without putting it on there and say, look, here's, here's our job. Here's what we're doing. Watch it again. You know, it, we've got a six and a nine. We, we've got to meet closer in the middle. And then he allows the judges to think about it. And that's where scores can change. And that's where I guess an influence could happen, but it's not like a brand like rip curls in there. You know, I've never, I've never that's seen so that. so funny that you said that because a couple of things, let me chime in real quick. Um, yeah. One of my comments is, cause I've been at these events. One of my comments is sort of a conspiracy theory and it's just in jest more or less, but if you know this man, you know what I'm talking about. And I, I envision Claw Warbrick sort of smacking his hands together like this and turning towards the judge's booth and proffering a critique and opinion within earshot of the judges. I know that probably didn't happen, but if you know Claw, you know he's a sporting man and he likes to let people know where he stands on situations. And because this is a rip curl event, again, I say this in jest, but that's the vision that comes into my mind. I also want to say this, that I've been a judge on these five judge panels in events with a, with a head judge behind us, you know, basically walking behind us like an expectant father telling us what's up. And, um, and what, in my um, experience, what occurred was that the head judge always put the situation in context of past heats and what we are doing regarding um, yep. the way, how the waves are behaving and how we're judging these things. So the head judge was constantly going, hey, look, that might've seemed like a six, but relative to the last eight we've been giving people for that, let's, you know, consider, consider change. You know, like there was some kind of, um, in my case, there was some sort of strong-armed, um, you might consider changing your, your, the way you judge that. However, a caveat there, that's because this head judge was dealing with some guys who had never judged before, like, or hadn't been in the judging booth before. Um, like uh, me and Buzzy Kerbox were like, hmm, what, we were looking at each other like, what do you think? <laughs> and yeah, so the head judge was more hands-on in that situation. Uh, but um, yeah, Devin's kind of right. I, I think Devin nailed it actually regarding the head judge's um, position and what he's expected to do. I agree. And there's a need for him. I guess the problem that we're always going to encounter is that surfing is subjective, like judging surfing is subjective and witnessing that maneuver is subjective and it's entering a new range that we haven't really seen before of, you know, of airs and the types of waves being ridden and all that sort of stuff. And so the goal of identifying and defining an objective criteria that, that something needs to fit into, we end up in these areas that are kind of right in between the lines where you can the judges probably witnessed it and they could argue rationally that was a completed maneuver. And then in the same exact sentence, use the actual objective criteria that they've defined to say he didn't ride out of it. And so it straddles that line of, yeah, he landed the maneuver, but then didn't ride out of it. And so where do we fit that? And I think they have to, like you said, Scott, go with precedent. What have we done in previous events that led us up to here? And in the past, we don't score it if they don't ride out of it. So we need to go with that. And when I witnessed it, I knew exactly that they were going to score it incomplete, even though we all witnessed him landing a maneuver, you know? So I, I think that's just inherent in trying to judge a subjective thing. Yeah. Well, the problem is that we get to this place where our precedent has been, we've been judging on things that didn't occur rather than judging things that did occur as we talked about last week. An interesting little um, uh, side note. I want you guys to think about Tony Hawk's 900 on ESPN that he did 15 or 20 years ago or whatever it was. You know, did he make that? Of course he did. He rode out of it. He sort of graced the bottom of the, 
of the ramp with his hands and kind of kept himself up, but he made the spin and he rode out of it, you know? And, and, and that's something to think about. Like the skate culture has a really great, they're really great about calling each other out. They're the first ones will be like, nope, didn't make it, you're out. And in fact, Tony Hawk would have been the first one that raised his hands and said, no, I didn't do it. I got to keep trying. But he did sort of, if you watch that, there was a moment where he kind of caught himself, you know, like he pulled it up and it was very fleeting and quick. But anyway, um, I'll leave it at that. I, I think he made the wave and I think that um, we need to what start score? thinking. What score would you give him? Oh, I, I don't even know. I, you know, I, that's a great question. I haven't even thought about that. So I'd hate to chime in and sound because like an experienced I, judge. I was just sort of thinking about this as we're talking. So if you're of the mind, you're, you're either of the mind, he didn't write, he didn't complete it. He gets an incomplete. What did he get? Like a two or something or yeah, whatever one, it was. 1.47. 1. 1. 1.4, which is basically the same as I think kind of like standing up and kicking out or falling on your face. I mean, you, you literally get a one for that as well. What if I saw you do um, that recently, actually. <laughs> yes we'll talk about that in a minute <laughs> it happens and you know what if i mean i it's not like i watch gymnastics but the olympics comes on every four years right and so you watch a little bit of the gymnasts so the you know there's the different whether it's the floor routine or where they're jumping off the horse or whatever so i don't know anything about gymnastics but you know what we're always they're always watching is the landing right did they stick the landing and sometimes you'll see someone stick the landing and put their hands up and they're just standing there and it's like, I nailed it. I did. And then sometimes they go, oh, oh, and they take a step. Right. And then they're like, oh, OK, we just knocked off a point or a half a point or something. So maybe there's something where in the judging in surfing, we need to look at other sports of like, is that I mean, because obviously he stuck and landed it for that split second and the wave ate him up, but he didn't ride it out. Maybe there's some room here to evaluate that all or nothing score and i think that's what a lot of people would concede they even said in all the comments i read like look i get it i can kind of see okay didn't write out of it but surely it's more than a 1.4 yeah but I by agree. your by what you just described it's also not a 10 correct now this Four. conversation was brought to us by dave ahern's who sent in this great email and the second part is this concept about um that he wrote dave wrote about sibilic and the full package and after watching him, you know, he seems like he's got it all. And my thoughts on this, David and Devin, are this, that more is going to be revealed. We've seen Morgan Sibillic on the East Coast of New South Wales in relatively crappy surf. Is he going to be polished in the big stuff? We've already seen, quite frankly, a flaw in his competitive savvy against Gabby in that heat. Um, will we be talking about Morgan Sibillic after Margaret River, David, Devin? No, uh, <laughs> I, it remains to be seen. I mean, the reality is we've been in this exact scenario a thousand times before. Here comes Ethan Ewing. Here comes Connor O'Leary. Here comes just Matt Banting, Carlos Munoz. <laughs> How far back do you want me to go? <laughs> and All so, of your favorite surfers seem to fall into this category. So you won't get me to do it again, Scott. <laughs> I won't be dying on the Morgan Sibillic. Uh, no. I love him and he's earned where he's at and he deserves all the accolade that he's gotten, but it's too early to say that I'm going to, you know, hitch my wagon to this horse for the rest of the season or for the next five years or whatever. Yeah. I back that. I mean, he's, he's got all the makings of a CT surfer. He impressed everyone. Um, but sometimes it's just your day, you know, like, um, and it, it just seemed like everything was going his way. He does look really good, though. He looks like a combination, a little bit of um, everyone we love. You know, he's got a little bit of that uh, Connor Coffin, some of those turns, and um, but then the kid can take to the air. He found tubes where no one was finding them. Um, I would say reserve your judgment as well. It's you know, this is a long, long way to go. I've got a more kind of philosophical question for you guys: Is does uh, sorry, my coffee is arriving. Ooh. What? <laughs> um, oh, take Sophia with you. Yeah. Um, please, please take Sophia with you. The philosophic question <laughs> is: When you're young, you don't know. Um, you haven't developed cynicism. You don't know what your limitations are yet. And I feel like that's almost the mo moment that Morgan's in. And if you can continue feeling that way and thinking that way 
you can actually continue to execute your goals. It's almost as if you have, those guys have the talent to actually do what they want to do, but all of the noise of the outside world comes in and starts making them second guess. And then they get a little bit of celebrity. Now Morgan's kind of got some celebrity. And so going into these next events, there's expectation, there's people on the street that want his autograph and there's even critics. Maybe they listen to this podcast and they say, and we're saying, oh, they don't have what it takes to go five years. And I'm wondering how much of that actually erodes exactly what took them to the top in the first place. Yeah, I mean, look, there's there's definitely like some uh, a free spirit type of ethos that runs through these guys' veins. They don't even realize it until all of a sudden, I think Morgan's like eighth in the world right now. And he's like, oh, shit, I'm, I'm actually a competitive surfer on the world championship tour. I now have to live up to this thing. And that's why... I find it fascinating going into the West West Oz leg here to see how he handles this. And if he just continues this, what, it, what I'm just going surfing, man. What's the, what are you talking about? That type of attitude or if, or if now, you know, the pressures of Klaus slapping his hands together right before your heat kind of, by the way, I've seen Claw in action. Um, I'm not saying it, it, like I said, if you know Claw Warbrick, you know that he's a, he's a passionate uh, fan of competitive surfing and I remember in Hawaii one year I think it was the year that Jamie O'Brien won the pipe masters the waves were huge one morning and it was uh, Morgan uh, morning sickness and and off and but big like second reef and rolling through and the wind had turned and started to go offshore but it wasn't it wasn't um, you know it was a bad morning for running the competition but it was getting better and I remember rabbit was in Jamie's front yard and claw was there and of course rabbit bartholomew at the time was this was the ceo of of the asp and uh and claw was was basically giving him his opinion like looks like it's getting better you know like he'd be saying look i see another good one rolling through you know and it was macking like eight to twelve foot and then um tom curran paddled out there was like two guys in the water it was tom curran and um uh, who's that Hawaiian bodyboarder that that's that's really good surfer, Goofy Foot? I forget his name. Kainoa McGee. Yeah, Kainoa. Kainoa and Curran paddled out, and Tom got a sick one from Second Reef and just completely Tom Curran goat, greatest of all time, styled his way through this insane bowl. And Claude just looks at 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 Rabbit, didn't even say anything, and nothing was really said. And then an hour later, the event was called on. And I'm not saying that that I'm just saying that Claw has some power, man. And don't put it past him to try to influence it in a very subtle and creative and, and uh, clever way. A little hand clap is his version of thumbs up or thumbs down. Exactly. That's his I subtle mean, way of saying it's on. Yeah. Even, <laughs> even in NBA games, you look up at the owner's boxes and they're all doing the, the exact same thing. You know, and not that it has an effect necessarily on the judging or the refereeing, but it, it hypes people up. It absolutely yeah. does. And um, I got, I got yeah, one more go word, one more yeah. word on Morgan. Um, look, he beat, he beat John John twice in, you know, relatively small conditions, waist high kind of beach break conditions. It's a very different thing than taking John John down or some of the top guys down even at main break, the box North point, it's a whole different animal. And so Morgan earned it where he earned it, but John John's, um, surfing is fine-tuned for big surf and he's a whole different he's a whole different competitor he's a whole different talent once he's in juicy waves and um so yeah whether or not morgan is capable in big waves is one thing but also john john's going to hit a way different gear than morgan was encountering at at those events what did you guys think of the wild card reef hazelwood i love him yeah i who <laughs> reef hazelwood i i think i think he i mean he was doing really well for the event and then that i, I believe it was griffin colapinto who pulled a rabbit out of a hat there and he kind of had him on the ropes for a little bit and then at the end um griffin just got him with that hail mary sort of air that he did and stuck it well reef is a guy that we were having this morgan conversation about two years ago you know, when he got, I think it was a wild card at Duranbaugh mm -hmm. 
and he just blew up and then he won the air show maybe even as well yeah. and it was like oh and then hurley steps in and sponsors the kid and it's like he's the guy and then you know yeah he gets injured disappears for a while but exactly. he looks like he's he's ramped back up so we have we have a couple people to keep an eye on if morgan if morgan gets to the semis or something like that and takes down a few people at Mar margie's and it's real surf well then you you know maybe he is the real deal yeah that's a win for him what else you got david uh let's talk about leashes <laughs> um this is part of the reason why we wanted to have devin was this conversation comes up every once in a while about leashless surfing devin recently got back from hawaii he posted some footage a couple of other people posted it it ended up on nobody surfs instagram account and one of the clips shows devin falling and his board getting washed in to the inside while there's a lot of people paddling out and there was a consensus almost in the comments section of people telling Devin to wear a leash, that he's going to kill somebody. Uh, Scott, what say you? Leashes or no leashes? Um, I sense that the people that are complaining about uh, not you know, surfing with a leash are the same people that are completely surprised at 180 degree south swell bypass san diego these people don't understand the big picture if somebody's surfing without a leash and you're concerned about it do something about it in other words go in leave go surf where everyone's wearing a leash you know let some freedom reign here for god's sake surfing's dangerous look if i get hit by a loose board i'm going to be pissed and i'm going to come on this show and i'm going to be like everyone should wear a leash and then i'm going to rein it back a little bit and realize you know what People have been surfing without a leash since day one, and they should be allowed to surf without a leash. And again, if you're concerned about surfing in an area where people don't wear a leash, don't surf there. There's plenty of places where there's people with leashes. Go surf with a leash. Devin, you are a public facing figure and you represent two large brands in surfing. What is your uh, retort to all those people saying, hey, you're a public figure and you're putting other people's lives at danger. What do you say? Well, I, you know, I think it's a, it's one of those conversations. I didn't jump in. I saw all this stuff happening on that nobody surf post and people were sending me messages like, Hey, are you going to chime in and defend yourself? And like, so I'm looking at the comments and I could tell most of the people were from different parts of the world. It's a very international feed. And Having that discussion, I'm glad you called me on here because having that discussion in the comments is pointless. Um, you can easily dig yourself into a hole and sound like a real selfish asshole with this conversation, you know? Um, Did I just sound like that? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, coming out- It's, it's saying, on well, brand, well, Scott, it's well, cool. <laughs> no, it's well, not, no. I'm a sweet, gentle soul. Yeah. I, I it, Without getting too- um, detailed on it the short version for me is i don't i don't have a public stance i don't go on any posts i don't say anywhere publicly you should not wear a leash I, i've never said that i just this is like a very personal thing just like i don't you know i i don't really tell you guys what what i do uh, sexually or something you know do i wear a condom or not like I, it's just like it's it's what i choose to do it's you clearly my body don't. my, my <laughs> body my <laughs> choice <laughs> Since we have Rex in the in the picture now, you clearly don't. I know. That's why I'm sitting outside. I didn't. I, you know, Rex is great, but you'd you'd hear a lot of goo goo gaga going on in the background. He's he's fired up right now. Um, but it's a it's a personal choice. And when I think back to like what why do I why am I not wearing a leash? Where did this all come from? And um, you know, I'm what I just turned 47, and when I grew up in the 80s surfing in the tail end of um, let's say reef culture or beach culture, I was attracted to, to places that had reefs and at these reefs um, there were traditions, you know, from you name the spot from whether it was how you changed into your wetsuit, um, where you paddled out, who you came with. There were all these sort of different um, cultural norms at those spots. And one of them where I grew up, especially in San Diego was uh, don't wear a leash if you want to have the respect of people, you're a new face. It's, it's sort of this rite of passage, 
That's what it was, you know, and, and I know in, in today's culture, I don't even know if people know what rite of passage even means. Um, you know, in the old days, rite of passage was you would go hunting for the first time or, or <laughs> they'd throw you out of the camp and you come back 10, 10 days later. If you're alive, you, you made it into adulthood. And it, the leash in a, in a weird way was kind of like that for a lot of surfers. It was like, okay, I'm going to paddle out at wind and sea or big rock or, you know, spot X and there's consequences. There's, there's consequences. And the consequence is um, if you don't have a leash on, you could lose your board, you could drown, you could ding it, you could do whatever. But the opposite side of that is if you pulled it off, you earned the respect of the people in the lineup and there was a tremendous self-satisfaction with it. And later on that just stuck with me. So it just became this personal thing. It was never like, um, I went out and did a campaign like fuck you the leash and this and that. Um, although I did, um, Scott, I remember, I don't know if you recall this, but you wrote an article probably 20 some years ago about how the leash ruined surfing. I don't know if that was the title of the piece, but I was an intern at longboard magazine and I was going through clearing out all these files and there was a submission uh, drawer with all these different articles and I pull it out and I'm like no way Scott Bass wrote this and it didn't it didn't get published but I know for a long time Scott you've been very passionate about not wearing a leash um, and so you know maybe this is just a relic of earlier generations maybe it's uh, depending what country you live in because if you go to Spain even if you go to Virginia Beach people will lose it on you if you're not wearing a leash and, and I understand the other side of it. What do yeah, you think, I, David? I was, um, I guess the bigger question here, cause we understand where both of you guys come from. The bigger question is, and Scott's actually right as well, is that it's all the vowels who are on Instagram giving you grief about it. The ones who haven't gone through the rite of passage, maybe they're newer to surfing, but surfing has grown and it's that yeah. crowded now. And so yeah. there, the bigger question is, yeah, it doesn't matter where you came from and how you grew up. You're surfing a spot that has a ton of people in it and you need to kind of adapt to, you right. know, just what is courteous, what is safe for everybody. So what are your guys' thoughts on that? Well, I think, I think you're right. Like I, I'm not sure here to say you have to not wear a leash. I wear a leash all the time and um, I don't have a problem with it. Um, obviously. And David, you're right. You know, like there is some like greater good that needs to be thought about here. Sure. Um, and so, the, and so David, Devin kind of nailed it really. It's every, it's very, it's a very personal thing and it's a very spot specific thing and it's a very regional thing. And, and it's probably um, not a thing at 90% of the places where people surf, but in some places it is a thing. Now, does that mean that that we carry this over to spots when we travel. I know Devin well enough to know that he sussed out the scene there. And, and if there's eight guys, 10 guys, whatever, good surfers, you can pull it off. If there's 15 longboarders or newbies on the inside battling the whitewater, their chances of them getting hit by a loose board are pretty good, you know? And, you know, there's no right or wrong answer. I don't want to come off as the curmudgeon that says you, yeah. you, you can't wear a leash. I'm all for leashes and I'm all, but I'm also all for, as Devin stated, rites of passage. And quite frankly, the piece that I wrote, and I'm sure it was horribly written and I'm sure it's got some stuff in it that I don't agree with right now. But um, I, I, as I recall, the main impetus of it is that when you surf without a leash, you become a better surfer. And if yeah. everybody in the lineup surfed without a leash, and I know that this is a pipe dream and never going to happen, yeah. Yeah. you have a much better, cleaner, smoother rotation <laughs> in the lineup. And you, I can't tell you how many times I've seen Devin fall and lose his board and go, oh, great. I got, you know, eight minutes without <laughs> Devin. You know, like, that's part of the deal. <laughs> And Devin came, in from, Devin came in from that session more fit, too. Swimming is actually great for you, you know? Well, yeah, I, I've, so I have this thing when I lose, if I, you know, I don't, I'm not going to say I lose the board. I don't, it doesn't happen a lot because it does teach you to have control and you make better choices. Um, but you do learn how to body surf and it's a really good skill. I've, I've, you get to a point where you lose the board 
you are immediately on the next wave, whether it's a green face or whitewater. If you get good at this, which I know Bass can, you you get on that wave no matter what, whether it's green or whitewater. You jump into it and you go and you're literally grabbing your board on that very next wave. Um, an interesting thought exercise. And again, I, I'm not here to tell anybody to not wear a leash. I think that's entirely up to you. And until there's a law like there is in Spain or Virginia Beach, um, I'll make the decision on my own if I'm going to wear a leash, if it's safe, if the tide's too high or whatever. Uh, you know, I'm not there to obviously harm anybody. No one wants that. But interesting thought exercise. How many times have you been hit by another surfboard? And was it with a leash or without a leash on that surfboard? That's a great point. Every time I've ever been hit by a board, uh, well, I mean, look, it's been a long time, 40 something years, but I can't ever recall being hit by a board that, that came in leashless. And I have been hit by boards where people bail and the board pops up in the white water as I'm doing a bottom turn around them and comes close to hitting me and or hits me. Yeah, to that point, there there is an argument to be made that the leash actually causes more injuries than no leash. As yes. ca case in point, that Malibu situation we spoke about a couple of weeks ago, yeah. guy died. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so most of the times, what what you can everyone can envision this, whether you surf Malibu or your local beach break, most of the times that you've had a collision with someone, you can see it right now. It's that person flopping on the shoulder; they barely get to their feet. You give them a little hoot, hey, I'm here. And then they, you know, they try to do the right thing. Usually they freak out and go, oh my God, I'm in front of someone because they don't know how to look, obviously. And then what do they do? They face plant. And then where does that board go? It goes right into your shins. And I'm not saying that a loose board can't hit someone's, cl clearly it can. I know, I do know of a surfer who has a horrifying story where he lost his board at Sano and it went into this, this lady's mouth and like Oof. wrecked her face, you know? So, um, I, I'm definitely not here to say that if, if you have a loose board, you have a much better chance of not getting hit, but it just seems that if you go through that thought exercise, almost every single time you've been hit by a board, it's because someone flopped off, you know, or they didn't make the drop. They're trying to burn you. Um, or the famous one is they're paddling out. This is the most famous one is they freaking bail their board right in front of you because they're scared. Right. They shouldn't be in the freaking water. It gives it the, the leash. People have said, yeah, the leash has ruined surfing. I'm going to go ahead and say it has ruined surfing. But like Bass, you said, there's we're not turning that. That is not turning back. Right. That is never going to change. But I think we could be at least intellectually honest of following the path. The leash ruined surfing for what it was. There was a balance in the rotation. There were boards going to the beach. Less people were excited about surfing because if you, if you think about like other, other things you can do, like surfing is literally now the easiest sport. You don't really have to pay any dues, you know, like skateboarding, you fall down and sure you have a pad, but you like get really hurt. Even snowboarding, you slam on ice. I, I think we could go down a lot of things. The leash has made surfing so comfortable and so easy that it's actually creating a more dangerous situation. I would argue, yeah. but how are we going to change that? We're not. I have well, an idea. I have an idea. I think that, on International Surfing Day, we should also make it International Surf Without a Leash Day. Both of those things should be just one day, just one day. I'm just saying one day, International Surfing Day, go surfing, don't wear a leash. Yeah. The most crowded day work. of surfing yeah. of the year. <laughs> that'll, no. eliminate some, that'll eliminate some people. No. Um, so Devin, you got a bunch of vitriol in the comments. Did anybody in that session itself while you were surfing say anything to you about not wearing a leash not at all no yeah, exactly um, that's my I and lost that's my the board yeah and a little girl was on the beach she like picked it up and smiled and handed it to me and there was probably in that whole peak there was maybe eight or ten people super spread out and I would, dude, I'd feel horrible if that hit someone for sure. Of course. But, but, but um, you, no, you assessed no one... the situation and you made the right decision. And that's kind of uh, to Scott's original point is all of those people in the comments section, 
what do they serve three times a year? You know what I mean? Like, I don't think those people are actually spending enough time in the water to have an informed opinion because they don't even know who Devin Howard is. You know, like that's like well, seeing Joel, that's like seeing Joel Tudor surf, you know, one of his local spots on Instagram, not wearing a leash and then calling him out. It's like, yeah. well, you clearly know nothing and that disqualifies your opinion. Yeah. And in some senses, yes. And then the other side of it, I completely see, I, I, I'm honest enough to see where it's all coming from, you know, and it's coming out of, as we said earlier, no matter who you are or how good you think you are or how good you actually are, stuff can happen. Right. And so that, that's the thinking. And then it's other things in our life, like the mask discussion, you know, like we we, we're no, we're not going to go into it, but like, mass no mass like you're this is who you are politically and then with a, a leash thing like if if i don't have a leash then i don't care about life i want to kill someone in the lineup right. and that's absolutely not the case but you're the only guy it, i know who actually grew a mask i know i was thinking the same thing <laughs> <laughs> this is a filter it's a it's a covid catcher by the way <laughs> if you put on glasses you could be flanders for halloween <laughs> Perfect. I was thinking, I was thinking uh, more a police officer. Uh, outfits done. Yeah. Oh no, that is not, a, you, you know, that's totally out. That's not being a police officer is not in right now in case you haven't that's, heard. Right. That's true. So you can block COVID with that thing. You can brush, you know, clean up the kitchen, use it as a, a floor brush. A it's also a, oh, oh, it's a pad. So that when someone with a leash falls and their board hits me in the face, <laughs> it's a little bit of a pad. Yeah. Oh, by the way, my worst injury ever. I have a huge scar on my face. Yeah. Um, my own board hit me in the face because I had a leash on. Swear to God, and it split my face open. If I I had the leash on, the board would have went away. I I split my injury, and I split my earlobe. Same exact thing. The kind of ricochet or the uh, rubber band effect of the leash. And I will say that Jack O'Neill. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Jack O'Neill lost his eye. Leash. That's Keep right. going. Well, I was going to say, um, you know, the, the I, this concept of when the board washes up, that's when I see the most potential for injury. When there's some little girl or some guy that doesn't know how the, the ocean works when it washes a board up towards them and they're trying to grab it and the board's, you know, perpendicular or um, to the, to the um, surf line and the board gets, you know, thrown up into their shins or the fin right. nicks one of their fingers or something. That's where I see tons of potential that's where i'm most worried is when the board's on the sand and somebody that doesn't know what they're doing grows to grab it right 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 um i don't know what what we probably go on for for at least discussion for a while but i i i just don't want to come off as super selfish and arrogant i i completely understand it um and i i would hope that some new people would understand the, the other side of it and maybe they won't yeah um and 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 that's okay and i'm I'm always open to evolving my thinking, you know, and, and maybe I'm hanging on to something that doesn't really mean anything, but above all the things, above all the things that I've just mentioned, it really honestly comes down to the performance and the feeling I get of not having it. So I'll, I'll explain this very quickly. If I'm on an egg or something or a smaller board, I can feel the drag of the leash and I hate that feeling. I just want, that is much, like most friction-free feeling I can get. Granted, I have fins on the board, so there's a little bit of drag, but I can literally feel that leash there. I also trip over it. When it comes to a longboard, if anyone's ever tried walking to the nose and back, th- there's nothing more frustrating than stepping on the leash. Um, in, on a shortboard, how many times have you stood up and the leash is around the front of your leg and you spend half the ride lifting your leg up trying to get the leash out and then you eat shit because you're trying to get the leash off your leg where if if it just wasn't wrapped around your leg you'd continue with the ride i mean what what do you guys think about that side of it because that's a whole other part of this discussion that's the worst or or going in between your toes is the worst yeah yeah that's actually a move i do pulling pulling (laughs) the leash out of my toes it's one of my moves the toe floss i've seen you do it yeah i'm good at it yeah um, well then we're all anti-leash leash. yeah all right let's go we're all we're done. Anti. <laughs> okay you know what let's take a commercial break we'll be right back this is where scott <laughs> scott's old age starts to show are we going to talk about la bomba swell 
Um, yeah, we'll talk about it when Scott gets back. Um, do you need do you need a bathroom break too? No, I'm good. I've already You're... gone while I was talking to you guys. <laughs> okay, just... I was gonna say you haven't you haven't crossed over into your fifties yet, so you don't have to go every forty minutes. No, I'm I'm on slow max. I'm fine. Welcome back, Scott. Yeah, back to the podcast. Um, La Bomba Swell. You may recall, David, on last week's show, you asked me what I was going to ride, where I was going to surf, and I told you, you know what, the swell's not even going to show up where I surf. Exactly. And I told you this would happen. 180 degrees and steeper south swell does not find its way into San Diego. It never has. It never will. Regardless of what we read online, Except for San Onofre, and there are, as Devin knows, a few other spots that shall remain nameless, even though Surfline has a camera on one of them. There just simply isn't that steep of a south swell in San Diego. It was the worst five days of waves from Imperial Beach to Oceanside in the last year, easily. Mostly because it was flat, but it was onshore in the mornings. Now, for San Diegans, La Bamba was La Bummer. And here's my question to you two guys. Should we be disappointed in Surfline, or does the blame lie in those who somehow believed Surfline? I, I go ahead, go, David. You jump in. I'm gonna. I'll keep it short and brief, and you could do. Uh, I think it lies in those who believe Surfline. I don't think Surfline uh, stated any lies. Surfline gave the numbers, said exactly what you know, what was going to happen. But then of course they, they overhype what the numbers are. Like they give big headlines and they write a bunch of articles about it to hype the numbers. But the number, if you know how to read the numbers, then, you know, you would, you would not necessarily fall prey to the hype. Yeah. I, I think it was a dishonest campaign. That's what I think. And I think it was blatantly transparent. And I, I did a little post uh, just on the story Surfy Surfy put up something. Did go back to Surfy Surfy and look at their posts. It's a nice little slideshow, just ripping into La Bamba and just what a joke it was. Um, look, you should know how to read the numbers. I'm with you, Bass. I knew exactly what was going to happen. I knew where I was going, and I sure as hell didn't go anywhere that Friday morning. I think it was. Um, and when you looked on the cameras, you saw there was hundreds of people out at breaks with waist high waves. Um, so I personally wasn't shocked. I just was disappointed in, in the unnecessary frenzy. Um, I don't know if there's a new boss at Surfline, um, but clearly there's a shift in how much they're going to sensationalize something. And so it'll be interesting to see what happens on the next time they do that or how frequently they do it. But if this starts to become a thing, I just think it's, um, it's just a dishonest or disingenuous type of business model. Like, you should want to believe in, in the products that you um, support. Right. And so you see surf lie, which has always been a joke, surf lie. I think this is one of their most egregious ones. Um, and, and I'll add one more thing. Think about this to say it's the biggest swell of the year. That's pretty easy to get away with. That's a pretty safe BS thing to put out there because it is April. Um, it's early in our South swell season. So literally anything that is shoulder high or bigger is the biggest swell of the year. It just, it just, I think this is just what is uh, fried everybody. And I was kind of stoked to see that a large number of surfers saw through it. So we're just having fun with it now. We're like, okay, we, we see what you guys are. We see you're full of shit. Um, but the rest of us that can read the numbers, we'll still get waves either way. It's just a bummer that when it's only going to be a waist high day that now I have to share it with a hundred people. Yeah, I agree with what you guys are saying. And at the end of the day, it, they do themselves more harm than good. Um, granted it was a massive swell and it was a great swell and it was six to eight feet and bigger at lowers and, and pumping at Malibu and um, pumping at the wedge and pumping down at Puerto Escondido and throughout areas that take in 180 degree steep South swell. And that's what we knew going in. Um, what's unfortunate, part of me thinks that, first of all, there is a new boss at Surfline. I don't know if he has anything to do with this or not. 
Um, Surfline seems to be very Orange County centric and that's fine, you know, but there's a huge chunk of San Diego that is also part of the, uh, part of their audience. And, um, you know, I think they could have done a better job of going, look, San Diego is going to miss out, which means all of you should go to, to San Onofre. And should, that's our option, basically, is go to San Onofre or go to Trestles. And is that really what they want to do? They want to send all of us up there? Because we're all going up there anyway, everyone that knows. Um, there's, there's absolutely no incentive for them to do any of the things that you guys are talking about. There, <laughs> there, there is, only, though. There's integrity. No, there, there isn't. is integrity. Doesn't, well, you've missed, well, I want to no. hear. Let's hear it, David. I think we're past that point, Scott. I mean, you were referencing their new boss. Yes, they have a bunch of investment capital right now, the same company that uh, got behind Barstool Sports and Meat Eater and all that stuff. And so they're just following the same exact model. And all the people on Instagram who are shaming Devin Howard for not wearing a leash, that's who they're going for. That's the direction they're trending. And there's a lot more of those people than there are of you guys. And so they say... There is a swell event. Cool. Print the graphics, write 10 articles, push it through all the feeds. And then give the swell event. We name it. Yeah, give it, swell. brand it, brand it. Get Lou Diamond Phillips to do the posters. And then, <laughs> and then um, after it happens, pump out all the footage from the wedge, pump out all the footage from Lowers and Puerto that validates exactly what we said was going to happen. And you guys quibbling about, Oh yeah, but it didn't hit San Diego. They never said it was going to hit San Diego. You know what I mean? So their their integrity, Scott, is still intact if they chose to argue it that way. There but, were some numbers on the San Diego. There was days where they were calling it three to four feet, and it was literally one foot. But they just instead yeah. of instead of listening to that or even acknowledging it, yeah. post another video of the wedge. So are you but suggesting just that we call? Surfline by another name, perhaps inertia line. <laughs> I mean, if you haven't accepted that that's the direction they've been going pre-capital investment, even like for the last decade, then yeah, that's on us. Well, look, full you disclosure, know? I I market with Surfline. I'm a premium member of Surfline. I have many friends, including higher ups that are part of the Surfline family up there, and 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 so. Um, you know, I'm a fan on many levels and I use Surfline every morning to do my surf report here in San Diego. It's one of the places I go to to get data. Um, but I do have to go to other places for data points. I have to go to the CDIP buoys. I don't trust the Surfline buoys. I, I, I can pull up the actual real-time footage on the NOAA buoys and it doesn't match up with what Surfline's telling me on their website. Don't give away too many secrets here, Scott. I'm with you. I have my own methods. And I, I don't gonna, say I don't I was, say shit. I was gonna throw out another another couple of websites. No, okay, I won't. I won't. But do know that it's unfortunate that you would think that. I guess they're just not as science based as I would hope that they are. That I I, I should be able to go to Surfline as a one stop shop, and I simply can't. And that's Look, that's a bummer. I, I come back to integrity. So any anything. Um, and I'm sure I failed on this, but this is just a personal thing. And I probably am going to disappoint myself to project what I think things should be in today's world. But I think you should do things with integrity, with intent and purpose and honesty. And so when I look at Surfline, I'm disappointed with them as a company and their values clearly aren't about um, truth and accuracy and honesty and whatever there it's, I'm all for capitalism. They can do whatever they want, but they're just eroding the trust. And it's like CNN, most trusted name in news. If anyone's been paying attention, they are the furthest thing from that. They are not trustworthy. They lie all the time. And so there's a trend in media to just start bullshitting stuff. And so my recommendation is don't look at the alert. Don't look at their BS articles learn how to read the numbers. And if you just went below the headline, and even though I agree with you, Scott, I don't like their numbers. I don't like the way they're doing it, but there's enough there that if you're paying attention, you know what the answer is. So it's on you if you show up to the beach, you're like, well, Bob was sucked. Right. I sense that you're gonna be on the ballot here in California running against Gavin Newsom. I've seen you walk a really brilliant line of moderation and sort of a, 
sort of a central. Uh, I can see right now, Devin Howard, California governor. You you mean I'm walking where most of our population is? <laughs> yeah, I that's guess where so. most people are. Yeah. yeah. All right. Fair enough. We'll talk David, about it later. David, chime in. He's a man of the people. I he. <laughs> I got nothing to say. I agree with everything. Let me say this. <laughs> The Rip Curl World Tour continues, and um, we're next going to the Margaret River Pro, and that event will start, it looks like, Saturday here in California. It would be Sunday in Australia. And uh, one of the things that Michael Ciamarella posted on STAB was that they did not pull a permit for North Point due to COVID. So we won't be seeing North Point at any time during the Margaret River Pro. Um, but of course, box is in the equation, and of course, the main break at Margaret's. Nice, uh, very Evan, cool. Do you, do you play any sort of fantasy surfer? I don't. I've, I've tried it in years past, and I, no offense to anyone, I just thought it was silly, so I just couldn't. I couldn't get into it. I don't play with dolls. I don't. You know, I, I don't <laughs> oh know. Jesus, please! <laughs> <laughs> wow, that hurt. <laughs> Wow, he's gonna he's gonna have to recover some votes after that one because a lot of our fan base just got alienated. I'm gonna have to go uh, adjust my bodyboard team after that. Jeez. Well, tell me, help. Okay, please sell on someone who doesn't partake. Sell me on the attraction and excitement. Why do you guys do it? What's what's fun about it? I just I'm open find, to it. I find myself invested in the event more. Um, I've, the only one I've been doing this year is a surf survival league where you just pick one surfer uh, per event. It's going to go all the way. It, no, it just has to make it past the round of 32, I believe. And then okay. you survive the event and you have access to the next one. Um, and Scott lost in the first event. So he's out for the season. He picked Seth Moniz at pipe. Um but what, what you find is just you're invested, you know, like right. it's something to sink your teeth into when that, when that surfer is up in their heat. So it's just, it's fun. It doesn't take a lot yeah. of effort and you yeah. feel great if you win. And if you don't, it's kind of no big deal. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, did you guys, um, not to totally switch gears, but just out of curiosity of what audiences respond most to, did you guys talk about Mike February's film last week? I pitched it to Scott. Uh, did you watch it yet, Scott? Sonic seen, Souvenirs? Yeah, I've seen some of it uh, on Instagram. I think the opening clip at Jay Bay, there's there's a couple of rides that are mind-blowing. Somebody sent it to me. Um, I haven't taken in the whole thing, and I need to, and I want to. I really well, do. What I, was, I just haven't. What I was telling you, Scott, was it is designed for you. Like yeah. the music, the music with a variety of boards, and it's like an integration of this music would go with that board and it would go at that break. And then Mike February is just the jazz master, you know, yeah. mixing it all together. It, it really is designed for you. Cool. It's like, two, yeah. it's like your favorite year, 2002, all in one. <laughs> Why is 2002 my favorite year? I, I need I just some insight. All of your references. I, 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 I listen to your show and like all of your references are like late nineties, early two thousands, like yeah. everyone I'm like, Oh, here we go. It's, it's like, it's that, I think that's when you were at surfer. So you were like, you were part of all this crazy stuff happening, you know? And so there's yeah. a lot of reference points, but I think this is this, fascinating to me. This, <laughs> this is completely fascinating that I'm 2002. I'm going to, this is going to stick in my craw for a while. I will have you know, however, that Mikey February would tell us that today is the most fascinating day. Why would he it say is. that? Because we're in the now, we're in the present, we're in the Zen moment. We're not thinking yeah. about the future nor tripping on the past. How, I mean, how cool is watching the Mike February journey, you know, where he came on the tour a few years ago and he caught a lot of flack from us. Uh -oh. Yeah, Devin froze. That's okay. No, I mean, basically, you know, what Devin's saying is that um, he's he was a free surfer with a jersey on, you yeah. know, and um, it didn't fit. Those two things were uh, not congruent. And yeah. well, and we called him out, but all the while we were saying, you know, uh, 
he's plenty talented. He just shouldn't be riding a high performance thruster. Like it's kind of doing him a disservice. And honestly, I'm thrilled about it. Like I'm thrilled that there's a place for him to have um, actually a higher pinnacle in his career outside of the Jersey after the Jersey. We've seen surfers choose to not wear the Jersey, Craig Anderson, David Rostovich, all that sort of stuff. But not since Tom Curran, has there been somebody who like shirked the Jersey and then had an even more visible career, you know? Yeah, I agree. It, it was um, a round peg in a square hole, and now he's found his spot where he needs to be. And I hope we see more of it. And I look at, I look forward. Frankly, I'm going to watch Sonic Souvenir and and um, and get out there. Speaking of which, I think we've got to wrap it up. All right, Scott. Well, it's been a great show. Let's admit Devin real back real quick, just so we could say goodbye. Hey, Devin, we lost you. Devin's sideways and he can't speak. This is a pretty good place for him. Hey, there he is. Devin, can you hear us? There he goes. He's on his phone, bros. He went to the phone. Devin, can you hear us? He can't hear us. Oh, there he is. There I am. Sorry. Hey, what did you guys say about Michael? We were hyping him, but you signed in just in time for Scott to bail and go surfing. Uh, Okay, perfect. I just wanted to ask you, Devin, have you been running heats with your John John Florence? watch oh did you notice that i noticed you're an hour behind you got to reset the time buddy god wow you're like creepy you're just like noticing all these crazy details but um i do like this watch and it yeah it's simple uh, my friend my friend uh charlie who works there sent it to me and what i like about it is it well you can't tell here but the whole purpose of the watch was right to fit under the wetsuit yeah because you have all those other watches where it's like sticks up and I got to say, it's pretty awesome. It's, it's no frills. There's no tide. There's nothing special going on. It just tells me the time. And, and I, I like and it. It runs a stopwatch. I mean, it's called the heat. So, I mean, you, okay. it's designed for John John to run heats. But yeah, I like it too. I've stopped wearing a watch in the water years ago. And I've started wearing one again because of this. I like it a lot. Well, as an expectant father, um, you are going to need that watch to know if it's time for you to go in. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Devin, thank you for joining thank, us. Yeah, thank you. That was that was fun. And um, the, I, the I'll final, see you somewhere soon. Yeah. Well, the final question that I'll pose uh, for Devin, because he submitted this via email yesterday, was for Scott Bass. Hey, Scott, have you burned anyone this week? And do you need no. to do a confession <laughs> on the show? No, no, I don't. I, I don't burn people. I'm I'm. Uh, I'm all about the aloha. I'm like, you know what? You go. I'm catching too many waves. You go. Yeah, you want to chime day. in on that, Devin? No, I. It was just, it was just a prod bass. It's a, it's a fun thing that we have going back and forth. Um, I, it seems like every couple times I tune into this show, and, and not as a guest, but to listen, there's some story about to like come to grips with like apologizing and he'll like rationalize the burn and like we, we it's like we all do it we anytime we burn someone there's always like something <laughs> way we explain so i was just wondering if there was maybe one during la bomba swell but it sounds like it wasn't even breaking so i, no, I guess no. we'll have to wait we'll have to wait for the next branded swell to see <laughs> we just have to wait like 30 minutes he's going to paddle out right now no you know what <laughs> I do love the concept that we need to maybe make a t-shirt that says rationalize the burn. That's a good phrase. That is a good phrase. Hey, you got a lot of traction out of surfers are the worst. I mean, that surfers are the worst has gone far and wide. I mean, that's global. That's genius. Yeah. And I mean, frankly, a lot of stuff we talked about today could be fall into this category, you know, like not wearing a leash and giving a shit about all of that stuff. Surfers are so lame. We think we're so special. We have our own little, like dialect and speaking affect and clothes and way we do things. And we're so opinionated and really at the end of the day, uh, nobody gives a crap. Yeah. Are you guys still doing Duke or kook? Is that, did you do that already? Yeah. You're my Duke and David's and my kook. kook. Perfect. We, we, in theory, we're supposed to do it every week. Just sometimes we don't, uh, don't prep them. All yeah. Right. Perfect. Well, okay, maybe, so. maybe each close your Duke. Sounds like you were going to give him the score. So maybe he deserves to be the Duke. Who? Je- February? Italo. Oh, Italo. Uh, well, anyway, um, here's the deal. 
we've we've covered a lot. We've said a lot. We've talked about a lot. A lot has been said. Some of it good, some of it bad. I sense that we're going to get a lot of emails. I, for some reason, I sense I'm going to get a lot of negative email. And that's okay, because we're here for you, the people, the listeners. And uh, Devin, thanks for being with us. And Thanks uh, for letting me join. And David, until next time, adios. <laughs>